0: Good morning. Uh, it's morning here. Uh, today I want to talk about uh, a, s- a familiar subject, which is this whole issue of passive learning and active learning. We had a comment on our forum at Link. Uh, someone asked if perhaps the active or the passive knowledge of the language is processed in a different part of the brain than the active, uh, skills in the language. I don't know of course I'm not a neuroscientist but what I have read and I've read quite a bit on how the brain learns suggests that a lot of areas of the brain are involved in language learning and uh, quite honestly I don't see how it can be processed in different parts of the brain because as we you know learn a language uh, what initially is indiscriminate noise eventually as neural networks are formed, as I understand it, uh, we are able now to distinguish in this what is initially indiscriminate noise, where one word ends and the new word begins, and eventually we can start making meaning out of what was once noise. And obviously when we go then to use this, then we have to be drawing on those neural networks. We can't be charging off, it seems to me, to some other part of the brain to start producing the language but I'm not a neuroscientist although I always recommend the book by Manfred Spitzer called Learning or the Brain or something like that and I checked at it Amazon it's not available in English I have the book here in German uh, before getting further into this subject of active and passive I would like to raise a complaint that I have with YouTube I love YouTube I think it's a tremendous uh, community uh, it's a tremendous um, way to improve your language skills. When I do uh, you know, foreign language videos, especially in languages that I'm not very strong in, I often have to do one or two takes before I, I manage to get through uh, without too many mistakes. And watching yourself speak in another language and watching your, and listening to your mistakes is a great way to notice where your gaps are. So it's and I, I've often felt that we should, uh, as we go along, and I, I guess I haven't been doing this, but if I were more serious, I would, um, you know, make videos of ourselves at different stages in our learning and uh, just to, to see how we progress. So YouTube is great. Here's what annoys me with YouTube. Every so often a comment below, below one of my videos says this comment has been removed because there were too many negative votes. Why would YouTube do this? Um, I don't mind people disagreeing with me. I don't mind people disagreeing with what other people had to say. I don't mind people calling me an idiot, a gas bag, or whatever they sometimes call me, a fool. It doesn't matter. If I find a a comment offensive because it contains, you know, uh, vulgar language or because it's uh, whatever, racist or something, I'll just block it for those reasons, but that decision should be left with me. It shouldn't be up to some automatic process. And I don't know what that process is. I don't know how many negative votes, uh, but, but why? I look, I cannot understand why they would do something like this. It just blows my mind. That's the one thing. The other thing is I notice sometimes that uh, some comments are withheld or something. And then I go to that person's channel at YouTube and the comment is still there. I suggest this is also something that YouTube does that eliminates some comments. Uh, I don't know if other people have had the same problem. And I guess a third in the litany of complaints I have about YouTube is they have made it a little easier to comment, to, for me to reply to comments. And I get lots of comments and I would like to reply. Uh, it used to be you'd have to you know click to answer and then you'd be left searching for the comment in amongst this whole list of comments. Now they've got it so that you click to reply, you go to that video and the box to reply is below the comment, but the video comes on all the time. So then you have to go and shut down the video. So you don't hear yourself talking all the time. This is especially the case if I'm sitting in the office and I don't want to disturb other people. So just some quick comments about things that annoy me at Google and at least at YouTube, and I wonder if other people have had a similar comment. One last thing that annoys me is the ads and that's why we stopped doing our ads here. Uh, you know, we thought we'd put some ads on there to earn a little bit of revenue to pay for coffee in the office. But really, it's so annoying whenever I open another video and I have to listen to three seconds or 15 seconds of an ad. So we stopped doing that. But I understand that YouTube has to raise money somewhere for the wonderful service, normally wonderful service that they provide. Getting back to passive versus active. You know, uh, in some ways, it connects with this whole uh, you know, there's sort of two schools uh, uh, of thought with regard to language learning. One says, you know, speak from day one and the other says, no, you need to build up your knowledge through a lot of input activities. I must say I'm more in favor, I mean, my own method of, of language learning is v- uh, basically the focus on input for a period of time that can be two months, six months, 12 months, it doesn't matter. It depends entirely on when I either have an opportunity to speak or a need to speak or I want to speak, but I'm not, I don't feel this compulsion to speak. Uh, now, the speak from day one people, uh, if we use Benny as an example, he likes to get a phrase book on his way over to some place and kind of leap through the phrase book. And now he's ready to go and he can start speaking. I don't understand if you're prepared to, uh, because the language has to come from outside you so that you have to begin with passive because you don't have the language in you. When you first go to listen, it's just noise. So you have to train the brain to get used to the language. You have to acquire some words and phrases. So why would you limit yourself to what's found in a little phrase book? Uh, those phrases, first of all, you have no concept about whether those phrases are in fact, Valid, like the phrases don't have any credibility because you haven't heard them in different contexts. They're just a phrase. You're almost reluctant to use it. And if you do use it, you certainly won't understand what comes back at you. So I've never quite understood that. And I think that, 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 however, if people want to speak from day one, like one of my big main positions is do what you want to do. So if that makes you happy as crashing points, out, what you're really benefiting from there, is that you're being exposed to the language your own output in my opinion is relatively unimportant what really matters is what's coming back at you so that you may think that you're actually active but in fact you're mostly passive because there's very little that you can say and uh, you have to build up that ability to understand it as, as I've said before now some people claim that they're very good that they understand but they can't speak maybe there are such people Most people that I have come across who claim to understand, but be unable to speak, if I speak to them at a normal rate of speed, speech, they don't understand what I'm saying. I have yet to come across a person who understands me very well and who can't speak. These people might exist. I haven't come across such people. Uh, There are people who claim that they can read and write, but can't speak. Fine. I mean, there are people who have psychological hang-ups about speaking. So they may be able to write very well. And that would indicate that they have good, you know, active skills in the language. And they read and, and so forth. But they can't, you know, speak because they're afraid to sound foolish. Yeah, would that person have benefited from speaking from day one? I don't know. I, I think, in my own case, I, I think it's it, it may be. That might be, but it might also be that, that there's, there's it's so frustrating and stressful to speak when you have very few words and don't understand what the other person is saying, that for a lot of people, that would only inhibit them more. Uh, I think a lot of people who have trouble speaking are too obsessed with grammar, too obsessed with getting it right, and therefore, they're as they're speaking, they're kind of second-guessing themselves. It's a bit like golf. If you just go up there and swing the club, you're probably going to do better on a golf course than if you try to think of where to put your elbow and your knee and your shoulder and all the little details of the golf swing. Uh, And I I think I have a suspicion that that those people who struggle to become active in the language, in fact, are too obsessed with with being perfect and with trying to remember all their grammar rules. By the way, I, I made some notes here. Uh, When I was a student in Europe, uh, I was in Vienna, I think we were in a bar talking with different people. There was a fellow there who was Japanese and who was deaf and dumb. And he could write, I mean, fluently. People would ask him questions in Farsi and French and Russian, you name it. And he would write out the answer and talk to you, you know, by writing uh, in these languages. So uh, there's an extreme case of someone who can read and write. And hear, but can't speak. But that's not because he wouldn't have been able to develop those skills. He was unfortunately uh, unable to, uh, he was mute. Sorry, did I say deaf and dumb? He wasn't deaf and dumb. You know what? I don't remember. Maybe we wrote to him and rewrote back. Anyway, a remarkable person. A remarkable person. Uh, so, you know, and so what is passive input? Again, I think some people think you can just turn the radio on in the background or watch movies that you don't understand. Again, if you like doing that, that's fine. Personally, I've never found that useful. Uh, I I always want to listen to something where I can get a transcript and work at it, as I do at Link. I mean, that's to me the big thing there is. I bring these texts in. I I save the words and phrases. I review them, and so I'm mining this content for words and phrases, and and increasing my my alertness and attentiveness to the language. And I find that process eventually gets me to where. I can start speaking at first with difficulty and then and then you know better and better as I go. So in fact there's something quite active about the passive nature of input because you are interacting with the language, you're you're making meaning out of that language. Uh, and of course, I've always found like maintaining my language, if I get a call from the local Chinese television station, they want me to appear on some program, you know, I'll listen to my CDs. Chinese CDs for a few hours that day and on my way driving to the television station and that refreshes it. So that at least to that extent, not only have I found that, that a lot of input has helped me like in Romanian, that's the bulk of what I did and there and there within a month, you know, I started speaking. So it, it depends on when you want to, how comfortable you feel your needs. I was going to Romania. I had to start speaking earlier. Uh, and, of course, Romanian had the advantage of having so much vocabulary from, from Italian. But I'm going to make a, a, a video here in Spanish this week. So what I did is I went and got a book, a book that I bought the last time I was in Spain. And I'm really enjoying it. And it helps to reactivate my Spanish. And, uh, by the way, I'll close out with saying that uh, I, uh, Google owns YouTube. Uh, Google has done a lot for language learning uh anytime you're in doubt as to whether a phrase is is valid or not or how a word is spelled just google it and you get the answer right away uh you're looking for grammar resources how to conjugate a verb google it um, then you have google translate which is a tremendous resource like for example here if i'm reading this book i mean i come across a lot of words that i don't know i simply type them all into google translate i'll get a list of 20 or 30 Accumulated over 20 or 30 pages or 10 pages. So I see the meaning right away. And then I copy-paste all of those and import those into Link. And I go through them again. And then I can add example phrases from our library and a whole bunch of stuff like that. It's, it's phenomenal. I also... Uh, one thing I do in Google Translate is uh, I'll say something in English. I'll turn the Google Translate, for example, English to Romanian. I'll just... In anticipation, say before I have my conversation, I'll just say a whole bunch of stuff in, in English. Uh, pops the Romanian. I grab the Romanian. I import it into Link. I go through it. Granted, that translation is not perfect, uh, and I'm not, you know, that I, but it's not going to influence my my, uh, my language. But it's going to give me a lot of words and phrases that I can use in the conversation. There again, Google Translate. So I, I criticized YouTube at the beginning. But YouTube slash Google has given us a lot of useful tools, both for our active and our passive language learning. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.